Sony's bosses are taking a pay cut, Gears of War Judgment isn't your typical Gears of War, and Crytek is going all free to play. That plus more on today's MASHcast. Senior editor uh, Rob Hill Williams. I have ale and goldfish. I'm an adult. Okay. And also here with a podcast host and contributor to the site, Nick Zalankevich. You know, I have access to my dad's credit card if you need to buy more fish because I heard you can get like 3500 for a couple bucks or something on the iPhone. Oh, God. Fucking tap fish. <laughs> <laughs> I've got real goldfish, the kind you eat. Uh, <laughs> I've got goldfish crackers. Uh, that is sad. Leave to Nick In a to, weird way, yes. You leave it to Nick to dig into the archives of, of obscurity. <laughs> I, I, tap, Tapfish made the freaking Daily Show. I don't think that's obscure. Well, that's true. I'll give you that. Old. How about that? How about old? <laughs> there you go. Old. I'll go, I'll go digging, old. Digging deep into the just dusting off some of the old Nash guys. Yeah. But uh, this is uh, MASHcast number 55. We're Mikey-less this episode. And uh, well, let's just get into it. Rob, what have you been playing? I've um, been playing uh, well, Super Monday Combat, which I guess at this point is just unmentionable. Um, played some more Walking Dead. Uh, I've also actually I got Lollipop Chainsaw, which I like quite a bit. Um the best description and or the most apt description I've seen, it's not, it's really not like just an action game. It's really almost like a like old school arcade game where the whole goal is to just like get the highest scores possible, right? And and like do multiple run throughs. Like it, it's that sort of a game. Like there's still a story and all that kind of stuff going on, but the, it never ever takes itself seriously at all. And it's really just about like the just kind of like learning how to just like clear zombies fast as hell. Um, I like it. I like the humor. Um, I could understand some people's like complaints about some of the exploitation. It's not too, it really isn't too bad, but there are parts where like, and and actually there's only like one real part and it's like when you rescue some people, um, like in each level, there's some, a couple, like a few people you can rescue. And like all the dudes will say some weird shit like, oh, thanks Juliet. I'm going to masturbate to you tonight. And it's like. Really? Like, yeah, and it's like, eh, it's a little too much, guys. Thanks, though. <laughs> like, everything else is, is good, and, like, it's it's humorous, and it it fits the tone, but, like, that stuff is, like, I feel like they just brought in, like, an intern to write, like, here, just write some funny lines or some shit for people to rescue her, like, but outside of that, I like it. It's quite a good game. Um, I'm playing Crater. There'll be a review up for that next week. Um, and... 
yeah i think that's it okay uh nick i've been playing diablo 3 and i finally broke away from that to get back to mass effect 2 so i am oh jesus i forgot i've been playing diablo as well i really i totally fucking slipped my mind but yes god (laughs) so those two games have you have you beaten it huh uh yeah on normal i'm still i'm still leveling though okay yeah i'm i did it in like a weekend <laughs> it was, not, it was not, retarded it's not difficult no no it's that's, not but that's not the whole point of it it's the story is secondary it's there for the auction house actually the story was awful but yes it, everything else it's just the, the well, loot and the grinding you, and the getting the levels and whatnot you knew how it was going to end like the moment it began <laughs> well i never played any other so like i oh. i didn't but i was like man that sucks for yeah. one person in particular in this story yeah, but, but, it was obvious from Act One, and you know, I don't know, it, yeah. but it's not—it's not about that. It's all about the the literal loot pinatas of the the uh, the demons and whatnot. So, zombies, zombies. Okay. Um. But next week, Diablo Three is unmentionable for you, Nick. Then I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been playing anything, guys. Wink. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, Infamous sits in a cold corner. Not, not, it's virtual. It doesn't sit in any corner. <laughs> yeah, nobody can put Cole in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Remember when he used to play Infamous, guys, that one time? I played it twice. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. Okay. fine. Okay, you know, I'll play something else other than, than Mass Effect 2 and uh, Diablo and WoW. No, finish finish fucking Mass Effect. Finish fucking Mass Effect so you can get the Mass Effect clear, please. Just, can you do that? <laughs> on it. Uh, uh, I've only been playing three games. Like I, uh, I, I'm still playing Inversion. That review should be up very, very soon. Um, which, uh, I mean, visually it still sucks. Like it's it's not a good game. It doesn't look good visually. Um, uh, but gameplay wise, I mean, it's not the greatest gameplay, but it's better than Gears of War three. I'll tell you that much. Like Gears of War three, bored me to tears. Bored me to the point. Where I can't even finish it, like I, I, I don't even want to pop it in to play it. But at least with this game, like the combat scenarios they put you in, um, keep things interesting. And on top of that, there was like a major, major plot twist that happened in the game. Like right before I was like, okay, this is the last chapter I'm going to play, and then I want to write the review. And right then that chapter was like, boom, major plot twist. I was like, well, now I gotta keep playing. So that happened. Um, still playing Max Payne three on PC and just replaying it. Oh, kind of this is almost my second playthrough cuz on on the uh, 360, I got to the very last uh chapter, to the very last chapter and then I I stopped playing it. And um you know, so I'm pretty much replaying through the entire game and the dialogue is is just so good. Like I I'm just remind how good the dialogue in the game is. Um I also picked up Child of Eden cuz I found that in like Best Buy's bargain bin. Um, well, I guess not bargain mail, so $30, but it's half the price, you know, it was at launch. And you know, I played it before on Connect. I was like, eh, okay. But now that I'm playing it, uh, I got it for PS3, I'm playing it with a regular controller. It's just, it's such a better game. It really is. I feel like I'm having so much more fun with it. So, and I don't know, did you guys play Child of Eden? Nope. Nope. Okay. I think mostly because I actually, I didn't, I don't, Maybe I forgot 
but I, I just didn't realize that like you could play it without like connect or something. And I was just like, ah, I don't really feel like doing that. Right. It's yeah. been on sale a few times. And I was just like, yeah, no, <laughs> it's a good game. There's only five stages, but it's not like you won't get through all five stages on your first playthrough. I mean, unless you just play for that long because there's star rate. You have like a specific rating that you get at the end of each level. And you have to have a certain amount of stars to open up the dirt, to open up new levels. So, um, you know, just doing the first and second level doesn't give you enough stars to open the third. You know, I had to play the first and second level more than once. Because the first time you play it, you know, the first and second level is kind of like, you know, you go through your shooting stuff, you know, and you finish the level. But then you realize that you need to have, like, a high score. And, not, like, not just a high score, but a high efficiency rating. And, you know, um, it's kind of like you're clearing out this virus, so you have to have, like, a that a certain percentage of the virus cleared and stuff like that. So you have to be very efficient. Uh, and one of the things in the game, and I can't remember if this was in res or not, but one of the things about the game is that, uh, you know, you can, you can lock on to up to eight targets at a time. And when you do the lock, your efficiency depends on if you kill them on beat or not. So like you have to lock on, and then you have to kill them to the beat of the music, if that makes any sense. So, uh, for the most part, I mean, like, you know, keeping the beat is not that big of a deal. I feel sorry for people who, who have a problem keeping rhythm. This this game definitely isn't for you, because you'll I never... I generally feel sorry for people who can't keep rhythm. Yeah, like, you, you'll never be able to, like, get to the, <laughs> to the last levels, because you need to keep... You need to have, like... You know, when you kill... Like, when you use the homing missiles to the beat, it, it says perfect on it. And you get, a, like, you know, a multiplier because of that. So to build up your score properly, you need to be able to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, keeping the beat most for the most part is fine. But then there are parts where the beat will go, like, really low, or the beat itself will cut out and there'll be, like, an ambient sound. But the game is still keeping the same rhythm. So like I find myself myself like counting out loud, or going like ns, 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 like into you know out loud to keep the beat for myself. DJ concert. <laughs> you know, it's just it, oh go go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say when when the beat goes low like that though, is there any sort of visual cue for the beat, or you entirely have to just internally keep that or, or vocally keep so, that? Like sometimes there's an internal cue, like but not all the time. For the most part, you kind of have to keep it yourself. You know, like sometimes like counting is, is easier for me, and then sometimes just going ns, 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 like that that works. Like you know, and it's actually doing stuff like that is easier than just trying to listen for the beat because if you've already heard the beat, you're already too late. You're not going to get you know the perfect. You have to do it on the beat with the beat. So so it's also like an, an impromptu beatbox simulator as well. You're not really selling me on this game, Jerry. In, in my case, it is. <laughs> this is how I played the game, and I'm totally enjoying it. You can say whatever you want, and I'll keep going <laughs> ns, ns, until I can keep playing the game, okay? It's fucking awesome. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, next. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. So you said there was $30 at Best Buy this week? Well, period, I think. Oh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, basically, uh, you know, you could just. You can just play the game and shoot stuff, but if you shoot stuff on beat and on time, it enhances the song and actually kind of makes it cooler. So I, I really like what they did with the game. I really do. And I'm, I'm glad I picked it up. It's not for everybody, though. Like, if you don't like 
electronic music, you're not gonna like the game. It's a, that's a huge draw of the game, like playing with along with the music, you know, and liking electronic music and stuff like that. So that's just the way it is. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. I'm pretty sure Mikey has just been playing Diablo. I could probably some Blaze Blue, you know. I'm pretty sure that's pretty accurate what he's been doing. Didn't he say he was gonna get Lollipop Chainsaw too? I don't remember. I don't Maybe think so. I don't. I don't think he did. No. Are Are you gonna like also like take the part of Mikey? Like you're gonna like have like a split personality for this podcast? No, no. I just want everybody to know what he might be doing. That's all. Uh, that that would have been really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got my, you put my hopes up when Wait. you started talking about his games. I was like, really? What are you gonna do now? Did you just imply that Jarrett has no personality on the other podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he has a soul. <laughs> you know but uh let's uh go ahead and get into these topics um first things first we're gonna talk a little bit about thq uh you know there was a lot of oh poor thq you know during e3 when ea walked out with you know dana white from ufc and announced their partnership everybody's like oh man that really sucks for thq but what not- hasn't sucked for thq lately though <laughs> that's true maybe not necessarily Basically, the way it go, you know goes, it went down was THQ didn't necessarily lose the license; they sold the license to EA, and they only sold it after they failed to break even on UFC Undisputed Three. Um, the game sold 1.4 million copies, and I guess that just that just didn't cut. You know, well, they uh, needed you know, uh, I back. think two million was the break even point. Two million was the break even point. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they um. Yeah, they didn't break even. They decided to sell the license. So I don't know. Like, is this just a good business deal for them? Like, okay, this game isn't making this license, isn't making this money. Let's get rid of it. Or you know, does it mean that you know it's not a like UFC isn't as popular as you would think it might be? Or does it just mean that THQ made a bad game? I don't think it was a bad game. I thought it was a little bit of the last two. Like, it they hadn't really like been changing enough in the games from what i'd heard from people actually played it that to make it really like worth your while to like get it it's like oh here's a couple new people but like nothing about the the game itself was changing or at least like not enough was being added to it to make it worth your while to like pick up a new installment um and also i think ufc is popular but they got like that one they, they rode that wave that one time when they put out the first one and then like from that point on it had dropped in sales like the set, like the the second UFC did like pretty awful compared to the first, so I'm not surprised they didn't break even. Really, right. um, the thing about this to me is like it kind of puts the lie to the uh, what Jason Rubin said when he was like, "Oh yeah, no, it was totally not you know preconceived to to like dump the San Diego studio during E3 to cover it up." I'm like, well, if you sold the license knowingly and you sold the license to make money, and even that couldn't keep the San Diego studio open then you did plan it to well, me yeah, that's what that says i don't know because if they had i mean if they had no game they knew they had to close it but maybe part of the deal for in selling it to ea was that you can't mention this we have to we have to be the ones to break this news and we're going to break it at uh, at e3 if, if they had you know sh- if they had shuttered the studio beforehand then everybody would be wondering like well what are they doing with the license then it might have drawn some attention that, that ea didn't want and you know spoiled their little surprise i sincerely doubt it i just feel like it was all planned like because i mean like obviously like they they planned this you know they sold it 
you know, knowingly. Like, it's not like anybody, like, oh, some, you know, guy came in, you know, Bobby Kodak came in, whiskers and, you know, pitchfork, like, <laughs> trying to, you know, wheel the, you know, sell their soul or something. Like, they sold a DA because they weren't making any money. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. To me, it just puts the lie to the whole thing. Well, it's, I don't know. It doesn't look good for them. But one thing I do want to say is it did it did get a Metacritic score of 86. So I don't think it was that bad of a poorly game. received. Yeah. Well, that, it doesn't have to be a bad game, though. It just has to not, it just has to be stagnant. How many, how, how often has Call of Duty broken the 80 barrier? And we can all pretty much agree that hasn't changed. Right. Well, I think it's one of the problems is that, po- well, possibly one of the problems is that they, the first UFC, they kind of advertised it more. This one, and the one in like UFC 2, they really didn't advertise it all that much. And that's part of the problem. Is it's not reaching the audience. It's audience, it yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you would think that they'd be on those pay-per-views or something with, you know, something, you know, showing something from the game or whatever. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they're not, um, it's not reaching the audience. See, it's funny, like this, it's funny because a game like this needs to, needs that extra um advertising budget to oh, push yeah, this nobody's yeah. going to nobody's no regular average gamer is going to walk yeah. into a store and buy that game when you have it on the shelf next to like max Payne or exactly whatever yeah to push this game forward you need that extra advertising budget but a game like call of duty doesn't necessarily need it you right. know so even like, they use it anyway even though they <laughs> use it so it's like yeah it's kind of it's it's I think it's kind of funny the way that works, but, you know, that's nothing like, you know, it's funny because people say, well, there's no difference between, you know, gamers. Like, there's no such thing as a hardcore game, actually. I don't I don't necessarily think you need to divide it up either. I mean, there are certain games that are only going to hit certain targets. Like, a Barbie game is only going to hit a certain demographic, you know. Like, if somebody made a My Little Pony game, like, you're only going to hit bronies and, like, you know, little girls or whatever. Like, right. It, <laughs> there's there's targeted demographics for certain things, yes, but like I think that was more of like a general like games. But like games. but in like this specific case, oh yeah, their certainly. marketing department needed oh, yeah. to reach out to a specific group of it, people. It, it really is as yeah, easy as putting our, it in front of UFC matches. I mean, really, yeah. like that's <laughs> our, that's as easy as it is. How many? That's everybody. I mean, I don't know how many UFC matches have you guys watched in the past year. Well, I mean, I don't but watch personally, but I'm not their demographic. Exactly. Yeah, but, I'm not, I'm so, not so, the target. Do, do any of us necessarily know that it wasn't on the pay-per-views? I've seen I've seen <laughs> matches, yes. I'm, you asked me how many I've seen as if you're trying to say, like, oh, you don't follow UFC, but, like, I've seen matches, and no, they don't advertise it at all. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I was like, oh, yeah. I've watched four. Right, Nick. <laughs> I've watched four matches, like, like, relatively big ones, and nothing. Not a damn thing. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not interested. I wasn't into, I wasn't either. It was on in a bar, but yeah, they was, there was no advertising for like you know UFC, which is exactly where you should have advertising for exactly, UFC. Exactly. Yeah. They need to reach that specific audience. You know, those the people who aren't going into GameStop all the time, and the people who aren't reading IGN or Joystick or these places that have this information laid out for them. It makes me wonder though about EA's plan because EA never really like they they advertise the first MMA a little bit, but like even that like they they don't do a whole lot of advertising for that either. Like are are they going to break the trend? They don't have advertising in front of UFC matches or anything either. Well, I guess they well, would. Well, they would for for you right. for this game. They probably right. will roll out the advertising mat for this game until it becomes a staple and people are looking for it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, They've got the so, cash for it, so. Oh, no, they do. They're not in any financial trouble, so I think that's part of the problem, too, but, yeah. yeah. 
But uh, but so yeah, it's not necessarily <laughs> poor THQ. It may just be a good business decision for them. Well, you know, one one thing I I want to point out though is that back in April, uh, they actually announced it was selling better than expected. UFC Undisputed Three. Better than so, expected. Better than expected, which easy. really, really, I have no idea how to interpret that in light of the fact that it didn't meet their expectations. Well, yeah, the <laughs> so, fact that it didn't break it, 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 it sold it better than they expected, but it didn't but break it didn't even. Hit the break even they so didn't even mean they didn't even think that it would get close. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. So <laughs> that in that light, it's bad. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's entirely possible too that maybe they passed this off to EA, thinking like, here, you can have this turd and, and see what you we can do get, with it. You get some money Hopefully from it, and you, yeah, you get the clunker from now on out. Yeah, yeah. Well, EA is making clunkers all by themselves, so. <laughs> I don't think they need any help, but hey, who knows? People still buy Madden every year. Well, that's because it's the only football but, game, so that's and why. And they also, and they and they market. They put their marketing in the right place. That is true. That is true. So, uh, but yeah, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, I'm pretty sure, hopefully, that's the last we hear about this. Or unless Dana White starts talking, trash-talking THQ now. He might. <laughs> within his I don't think he's got any reason to. He's still getting money from somewhere. Yeah, some, some, all somebody has to do is ask him about it at some point. And he'll give you a noteworthy quote. That's true. That's what he yeah. does. Oh man, what do you think about those last UFC games? Oh, fucking shit turn, man. Fucking yeah. no bro this would EA, want that. This EA one is the best one. I could, I was I always wanted this. It's <laughs> just funny because you know, yeah. 2009, three years ago, talking exactly. shit. Oh Wait. yeah, that's why. <laughs> but uh, moving on to our next topic. Um, so we everybody like well I shouldn't say everybody but if you've been paying attention you know that like you know a lot of the jap well the industry in general has been kind of taking a hit uh, Nintendo took a hit but for obvious reasons Sony also um, this is their fourth year um, posting losses and because of that the Sony execs have taken pay cuts and returned their annual bonuses okay so they got it had to give it back. Um, so on top of that, though, uh, Sony is asking the shareholders, or the yeah, is asking are asking is asking shareholders to appoint a new board of directors, one that will include uh, Harai or Hirai, never say his last name, the new CEO of Sony. Basically, they they want to get rid of the old board and bring in some new blood, but make sure that he is on the actual board of directors. Obviously, they have a lot of faith in them. You know, the, the Sony executives, that is. And since he played... Well, I wouldn't say he pulled the PlayStation business out of the toilet, but he, he definitely was, did. He, he, he definitely steered PS3 out of some, like, muddy waters. Oh, yeah. Like, because, I mean, the president before him, that was... Terrible. Oh, you'll buy it. <laughs> it's Sony, it's PlayStation. They'll totally buy it. A bit out of touch. He was a bit out of touch. So, yeah, he kind of... He didn't save it, but he definitely turned it into a... He, they, they definitely finished a lot stronger than anybody probably would have expected after the the way they started. Yeah. Well, it's actually... um, It's kind of interesting, because there was another article that we're not going to discuss tonight, but somebody was commenting about how close Sony is to Microsoft's numbers, even though they released, uh, uh, what, a year later? Oh, yeah, oh, it was a year or a year and a half? It was, I think it was just a year, year and later. A, half. a year and a half later? Yeah, I think so. so. They released a year and a half later. They released at a high price point, and still they're not. I mean, like you know, Microsoft is still in the lead in terms of uh, over Sony. That is, 
but still not necessarily that far away. They're not really beating the pants off of Sony, and Sony is cut. You know, they've they've covered uh, or gained a lot more ground in recent years. But then that could always be, that could be because a lot of people already had Xbox 360s and now they're buying PS3s. <laughs> Especially this this I mean this cycle feels a bit longer. I think it, people have had time to go. But even then, no, in the cycle before, I mean, people tended to have two consoles. It's not uncommon these days now. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. This this generation has lasted a very long time. You know, parents have had yeah. seven years to buy, you know, the yeah, like, Xbox. What, what else are we going to get them for Christmas? You know, they exactly, have every game, yeah. so it kind of turns into like, well, this new system isn't too bad a price. You know, Wii's 100 bucks or whatever the fuck. So, so Sony yeah. was saved by spoiled children. Uh, I think a lot of companies get saved by spoiled children in general, but yes, I think it didn't hurt. <laughs> I do think that they made like they made some bold bolder moves, but like we've talked about before, when you're not first place, you have the the room to make bolder moves with like first party titles and things of that nature, and taking a chance on IPs. I think that helped a lot. Well, I mean, you know, the thing about Sony though, like they were, I mean, they were on top with PS when it came to PS2, and they still. We're open the new IPs and getting those first party titles. That's just kind of how they roll. Right. Um, yeah, it's just they. It's actually, this, the PlayStation business itself isn't necessarily hurt, isn't hurting Sony. It's the, it's, well, the only part that's making any money. Exactly. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's, their, yeah. it's their TV business that is, is uh, really. Well, their TV yeah. and electronics. Faltering in some ways. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's faltering. Um, Especially because they, you know, they they had that huge 3D push, and did they even mention it this year? At E3? I'm, cl- I'm, I will say, I'm thankful that they didn't. In a, in addition to not mentioning the move that much, but no, they didn't mention it at all. Like they they've kind of taken it as either like you know people either have it or they don't, and they just kind of moved on from that. They're not trying to use PlayStation to push their 3D anymore. Yeah. So you know, hopefully, you know, I don't want the problem to become too bad. You know, where they're constantly posting losses to the point where they're gone, but. You know, with with getting a new board of directors that'll hopefully <laughs> steer them in the right direction, because that's what board of directors do. Um, you know, hopefully they can pull themselves out. Because I, I'm actually a fan of like Sony Engineering and the way that their products work together, and they work well together when you have a bunch of Sony products. Like, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a problem with a Sony product. Period. You know, so I mean. Oh, we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. But um yeah, new board directors taking pay cuts and giving back bonuses. That's what's happening at Sony right now. Um but moving on to our next topic. I want to talk a little bit about Gears of War. Um well the new Gears of War, Gears of War Judgment. And you know, when I first heard about it, I pretty much just was like, okay, whatever. I really don't want to hear anything about Gears of War because Gears of War 3 was so poor to me. Uh, but then I heard that it was developed by, you know, people who can fly. Which, I'm like, okay. I kind of have a ear open, but if it's going to be the same Gears, you know, I'm not really, I, I'm not all that interested in it. But there was an interview on Ars Technica uh, with, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, somebody from, uh, people that can fly regarding um he was uh adrian uh Chimil- yes adrian we're just gonna call him adrian ac ac there you go so um he um he there was an interview with him 
regarding, uh, you know, judgment and how it's going to be different. Uh, so first of all, uh, the story takes place 15 years before Gears of War. Uh, and we already know a deal with Baird and Cole, but they're on trial for treason, them and their Ankylo squad. And the story is actually told through Baird's testimony. Okay. Uh, as he's on, as he's being tried. Uh, one of the more interesting things about this is that you will actually have incentive to replay through the game in a way that I really haven't seen before. Where the first time you play it, you'll uh, play the classified version, and basically that's everything. That's you know the story that Baird's telling in court, and that's gonna have you know that's gonna be you know take you through the game the first time. Then if you play through it a second time, you'll have access to the unclassified version of that segment. So uh, it's going to include stuff that Bayard didn't mention in court. And it's going to have, well, more, most importantly, it's going to have crucial narrative details. So this isn't stuff that you could just gloss over. It's actually going to be very important to the story. So I'm imagining that there are going to be some things that are kind of confusing or just don't make sense or you really don't care about all that much. And then when you play it through an unclassified mode, it'll make more sense or be better. There's going to be new enemies. Uh, there may be weapons available that weren't weapons before that that weren't available before. Actually, um, the the one uh, where is it here? He's, he's in one example he gives is that you know, in you know the classified version, Blair Baird may have. Uh, neglected to include the fact that a mech had been available to this to the squad during an engagement. So the classified version doesn't have the mech. Unclassified version has the mech, but along with that comes new enemies and all types of stuff. Uh, there's also going to be like maybe certain like specific like time limits to make it more difficult, and uh, you know weapon uh, uh, only so you may be able only only be able to use certain weapons. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting because I mean the story of Gears like I mean who who cares about like you know the, the the trilogy that we have now does anybody really care about it I don't think so Gears fans <laughs> Gears fans don't play the single player yeah I guess that's true too but yeah. yeah we we know several Gears fans and I don't think not one of them has played through the single player campaign. So actually, I do know one Gears fan that's played played through the single player. I don't even play the multiplayer. I still was playing through the single player, and I was like, "Ugh, what? I'm gonna stop talking about that." Because <laughs> I think that's the third time I've mentioned it <laughs> so far in this podcast. Um, the one thing that they are focusing on is the challenge of the game. Um, they believe that part of the fun of a game is overcoming challenges. So they're gonna they're focusing on making it more challenging. Uh, they want. They said that they want to make you fear the locust. So I'm pretty sure it's not going to be like a Dead Space style game. But they want you to. I guess they want you to feel a certain type of way once you start seeing locusts pour onto your screen. You know, like okay, well, I just can't manhandle these guys like this. I need to actually, you know, maybe be strategic or watch out or just watch my back. You know, stuff like that. Um, personally, I think if they make it more challenging. It may not um may not work out so great for I guess your standard Gears fans, the ones that do play through the single player, because a lot of them they because Gears is not a hard game to play. A lot of them kind of just like you know blowing enemies away, chainsawing through enemies, 
you know, and if you don't have that gratification, if you actually have to try and be strategic and not just do dumb shit, you know, I don't know if if the average Gears fan is going to really like that or not. Because I know, like, when when I play Gears 1, 2, or 3, when I just wanted to rush through an area, I would just rush through an area and blow people away. Like, it really wasn't difficult at all. I mean, probably count the number of times I've died in the entire series on one hand, you know? See? They even said that, like, they're changing the control scheme. And so I wonder, it almost seems to a degree, like, is this even targeted at the average Gears fan? Like, I think it's almost, in a way, it seems like maybe they're taking the franchise and kind of trying to expand it, maybe even open it up to more people. Yeah, seems right, the, yeah, yeah, it definitely seems to be the case. Yeah, like, they are, they're, they're changing the control scheme to reflect the, the, the faster, more lethal gameplay. So I can only imagine that this is not going to be your standard whack-a-mole style of Gears of War. Because, you know, in Gears, you just kind of wait for the enemy to pop out, they pop out, you pop them, you go back on the cover. You know? So I, I believe that they will be, you know, changing that. Uh, they're saying that they're going to, like, uh, this in this Gears, there will be more locusts on the screen than any Gears of War before. And they're looking to build, like, crazy, intense combat. So, lots of locusts on the screen... And it's going to be kind of, uh, well, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Bullet. He, he said they are brand influences from Bulletstorm. Now, I know that they can't do full Bulletstorm. Because right. that, he said that the humor yeah. won't be like that same type of humor. Yeah. I'm sure that they're not going to really have like a skill shot system, so to speak. But yeah, yeah well, I just feel even, like there'll be more challenge to it. Like you can actually, you know, like shoot a guy in the kneecap or something yeah. and have him go down. And I like what they're doing with the, with the AI, especially. Yeah, well, where the AI will analyze your performance and your position, and will determine where to spawn enemies and what tactics to, tactics they use, which is a that's a good thing that's happening in gaming right now. Because like uh, you know, Sign Mora also used something similar, where based on your performance, it would either make the game more difficult or less difficult. So it would be hard. It's harder for players to kind of get used to just going through the motions. You know, you, right, you can't just you won't know that like oh there's three there's three locusts that are gonna you know pop out of this tunnel and that's gonna be it you know they you might you know one might come out and then another one might come through another door or something and somebody might be shooting at you over top because that's how it decides to spawn and then the next time it'll be different too you know based on what you've done so I like that idea yeah I actually I really hope that they have the AI work together you know because even like a game like um. Like as I've been playing inversion, that AI kind of works together. You know, like when you have like an enemy unit that can control gravity, they have to charge their shot. So what the smaller units will typically do is that they will lay down cover fire to keep you in cover. You know, so that the guy can charge a shot and then shoot it in your direction, which pulls you out of cover, and then you have they have an advantage. Or like some of the larger units will push forward, allowing the smaller units to also push forward and gain cover behind them. So maybe if they can make the AI that smart that it works together, that would be very impressive. And I think make a big, especially for me, make a big difference in terms of uh, gameplay. Uh, they also, they're, they're going to have a new multiplayer a mode called Overrun, which is basically, it's class-based. It's class-based multiplayer where the COG are protecting um whether they're protecting a generator in their base and the locusts are invading. So um, even that, like one example they showed of the classes, like for the locust, 
Uh, because you know the car gonna have engineers and soldiers, snipers, stuff like that. Um, but the locust, like somebody can play as a, uh, uh, they can play as a ticker, and tickers can eat grenades. So if a, if a, if a cog player throws a grenade, the ticker can run, eat it, and then like you know one of the locust players can kick the ticker back toward the uh, the cog players, which actually will give it a bigger explosion than before. So, I'm uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah, that's I, a it's a nice bit of interplay. I mean, like, I probably still won't play it because I just I just don't care about the Gears franchise that much. I am happy that people can fly is getting some some work, <laughs> though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I man, I don't really care about Gears. I just if it's a good game, it's good, it's a good game, and I'll play oh yeah, it, certainly. You know? So, but um, it's good to hear that they're that they're not just going to continue with the same exact thing. You know, and it's a waste of the talent too to be like, here we're gonna put you on gears now to yes. do like a prequel or whatever, yes. and you're gonna do the exact same thing we've already done. Yeah, and I I hope that once they're done with this, they can make Bulletstorm two for the love of God. Please make Bulletstorm two. That would just make me the happiest man on earth. <laughs> so, um, moving on to our next topic though, um. Looks like we have more people hopping on the free-to-play bandwagon, I guess you can say. At least that's that's what I think. And the, We actually have two articles here, one regarding Crytek and one regarding uh, David Jaffe um, of, well, he formerly of Eat, Sleep, Play. In the first article, uh, Crytek, or uh, Savat Yearly from Crytek, uh, says that, you know, in the future, all of their games will be free-to-play, which sounds like a terrible idea to me. Absolute terrible idea to me. But he's saying all their games are going to be free-to-play. He says that services like like DLC and premium... Like, well, he says, like, premium gaming services and DLC are milking customers to death, which, no, nah, he ain't lying. I wouldn't say... He, he's not lying about that. But I wouldn't necessarily say that free-to-play is helping customers either because free to play again. Yeah. yeah. Nothing helps customers because yeah. the, the, the end goal is always to have customers spend money. Free to play can be just as bad. I, I think it's absolutely. the thing. Yeah. So absolutely. At least with, at least with a boxed title, like, you know, um, you know, at least with a box title, you pay 60 bucks and you do get, the vast majority of the game, at least. Well, let's say, I'll put it like this. If you paid $60 for Battlefield, I think you got a complete game. Oh, you yeah, know, you like, could you play know. that for ages without getting any of the premium DLC, or exactly. the maps or any of that so stuff. You can play that. Even Call of Duty, like, you, if you paid $60 for that, um, it w- I don't think it'll necessarily feel like you're missing part of the game. Right, but like with free to play games right now, like me and Rob were discussing it yesterday, like uh, while I was talking about um, uh, tribes, you can spend sixty dollars in tribes and not have everything, or not have at least even enough to feel like you've spent sixty dollars. I mean, even if you wanted to unlock all of the classes, that that right there is thirty two dollars on its own. That doesn't include weapons or anything like that, you know. See, the thing is, the thing that's tough, too, is that a lot of free-to-play games opt to go for the multiplayer aspect because, of course, you know, like, 
where, where can you like, you know, get a lot of people involved and then like get money from them? Well, multiplayer games, multiplayer games where, you know, you fight each other. So the real problem is not that like if you played a base version of Tribes that you are not getting enough game. I feel like you would be getting enough game with the base version, the maps, everything that's included with it as it is. But the problem is you're playing against other people who have spent money and it almost feels like a coercion to for you to spend money too because you just need to, you know, keep it up with the Joneses or whatever. And I think that may be like a, one of the big problems with a lot of free-to-play but games. I think that's part of the strategy, though, is that you're using oh, other players. Well, absolutely. I mean, they're your advertising. So, I mean, they're running around saying, this, you know, you can have all this too. And, and look you know, at this fucking awesome that, ass gun. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had that, like, if you had a single-player experience, you're not, you don't have that exposure. I think it becomes a little more, a little more forced. Um, but I, I, I think while well, your concerns about tribes are valid, he doesn't really talk about what the type of pricing scheme that they're going to implement. He just says free to play, which is it's very vague. And I don't see any reason not to think that if they're planning this far out as far as how to go free to play, that they can't do it in a more successful way. I mean, I, I don't see how you're going to do a free to play single player game because I still want single player experiences. I don't want everything to be online and multiplayer. And that's another thing. Like he says that they're going to convert to 100% free to play and they're going to focus on free to play and online. And that's another thing. I don't want everything to be online because what happens if my internet goes out now, I can't access your game, which there's a good chance I spent more than $60 on. Yeah. But far enough in the future, that won't be a problem far enough yeah like far in the future like we are not there yet nowhere near it yeah but he's not even saying what their time frame is either though so i mean like because i mean he's talking dropping you know 10 to 20 10 to 30 million dollars like he's talking you know triple a budgets for games that are going to be free to play which obviously i don't think is like a right now thing like how are you going to make Homefront 2 and like you know what are you going to convince them to make it free to play like it's obviously like not in the near future for them well, I'm, I don't think it's going to be in the next year, but I mean, G-Face is already in beta. I have a G-Face oh, yeah. account, right. you know, um, but I mean, the like Homefront 2, Crisis 3, still going to be boxed product. But I mean, with G-Face in beta now, I'd say it's actually pretty far along. I can't. I, I I do believe right now they are working on these games that they are talking about. Oh yeah, I mean they've already they already revealed Warface, which is yeah. the best name for a game ever. Warface, Warface, <laughs> Warface, Warface, <laughs> Warface. I mean, really. But I mean, obviously, yeah, they're working on it. But I don't think they're like you know dropping you know every all the other balls are in the air and you know just running after free to play. Not necessarily. Not yet. I think it's gonna I mean, be sooner than later. I I think within the next like three years maybe, but. See, Even then, I don't know. Still too soon. The internet's not going to be ready. Right. But I mean, like, I mean, you can still do, you can do free to play on consoles and stuff too. I mean, and, and that's probably going to require online as well. I mean, that's the, I mean, the, the option is you don't play it, you know, or don't bother to play it. Don't spend money on it. You can play it and not spend money on it when you are connected to the internet, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about free to play. Like, I find it hard to, like, be too mad about, like, a free to play game because, there can be some really shitty pricing schemes, but you're not handing $60 to somebody and then finding out that something is really shitty about it. You, you always have the option to stop playing. Oh, no, like it's something a, I see in like, Oh, true. I'm not saying that you're not saying that, but I see people like who play like super Monday night combat and it's free to play game. It's free. And in fact, like there's no, like 
additive like a you buying things that give you like any sort of like a damage bonus or anything of that nature like everything is like cosmetic and uh and i see people who are like man this game fucking sucks stop playing what 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 barriers there to stop you from playing it it's not like you spent 60 dollars on call of duty and you're like man i don't like this fucking game if i spent 60 bucks i gotta play it anyway like it's a free-to-play game stop playing anytime you want I totally see what you're saying, and I, yeah. I agree. Like you know, that's the the one good thing about free to play um, that you know you can you can definitely try it before you buy it. But my thing is like for, I'll talk like for, about tribes again. Like I like the gameplay of tribes. I like to play tribes, and I wish they would give me an option to pay sixty dollars and get at least a full base package of the game. But you know, I'll want to play tribes, right? I'll go to play tribes. And then, you know, after two, three matches where, you know, at this point I do get more XP because I got the VIP status, but that's only because, you know, I bought stuff for that editorial that I'm doing. So, you know, I am getting a bit more XP now, but at the same time, you know, I I see all these people with with this additional stuff that they paid for, and I'm just like, you know, it's kind of ruining my experience. And I'm just like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to play it. I don't, I don't roll around with a trumpet talking about how much the game sucks because I don't think the game sucks. It's just that, you know, it just it, it kind of sucks for me because I, I like playing tribes, but yet when I play the game, I get I, I'm not fulfilled by it, you know, and I don't want there to be a whole bunch of games like that. Like, you know, if they if, they, if Crytek is making good multiplayer games, but yet I'm you know sitting behind this you know piecemeal paywall. All right. You know, no, I understand I, your reservations because yeah. it's the same reservations that I get. it it could happen with it, and they could have Warface could come out and, and be great as far as a free to play model, and then they could bring out another game and could be shit. You know, yeah. because they just decide, oh, we're going to implement this a different way or something. You know, like yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it worries me about Hawking. Hawking started out like, oh, we're going to, it's going to be free to play, and we're going to, you know, it's it's going to be cosmetic upgrades, and then it's like, yeah, that might be changing, and it's like, really, like, yeah. Eh, this scary, this whole you know. thing could be eliminated, like if they're truly not about milking the customer, right? If they're truly about that, if any free-to-play, you know, person or or company is truly about not milking the customer, give us a, a, a give us an option to plop down fifty or sixty dollars and get a whole ton of shit. You know what I'm saying? Of course, there's gonna be stuff you know that you're gonna come out with later, especially in multiplayer games like tribes will come out with new weapons or new skins. Every everything that's available on launch day with that free to play game, you should be able to actually get that for sixty dollars. Cause that's a premium price. That is a premium price, you know. Right. I'll plop, let me pop down sixty bucks. Let me pop down fifty or sixty bucks and get that, rather than okay, well you gotta pay thirty two dollars to unlock all these classes, and this gun costs ten dollars. This gun costs ten dollars. Or in fucking Blacklight's case, this attachment piece costs seven dollars. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's real bad. And see, that's the scary part. Like, there's there's games with really bad pricing, and there's other games where if you play the game and you're like, oh, I like this, but, you know, I wish I could unlock some stuff, and you spend 50 bucks, and you do get everything, you know? Like, there's... But it, it depends on how they implement it, and that's and yeah. it's really just kind of like the the thing that it's it's hard to put any sort of a finger on until it happens. Like, you know, we'll see what Warface comes out, and then see, like... Yeah. Okay, maybe they'll be okay because they're not trying to. They really aren't trying to like totally nickel dime you to death. Like they want you to spend money, but they're not doing it in a shitty way. You right. know, that's this isn't a Sewer's Wrath where you know you buy six, buy a game for sixty dollars and you still have to spend like another twelve dollars to get the actual ending in the game. You know. Yeah, that's bad business. 
Um, David Jaffe, like his article, uh, what he was talking about, you know, how he's looking forward to free to play and why he likes free to play. And his, actually, his hang up that he says is how does he make a free to play game that isn't play to win? Which I'm like, I'm really, really glad he's actually thinking about <laughs> thinking about that. Because, you know, some developers have said that this would be like, actually, when I was at PAX and I talked to, well, I guess I, I talked to the, to the dev at, at Tribes. Um, you're like, yeah, it's not, it's not pay to win because of, you know, the level system and you, you know, you can't pay for upgrades. He failed to mention that six of the nine classes would be locked on start, you know? So like a try, even tribes is like a, a pay to win type deal. Um, cause I, I, I talked, I mentioned it to you, Rob, I think even a couple of ago, I mentioned when I got this specific sniper rifle, how devastating I was to my enemies. You know, so, but, like, you know, the fact that he is actually, like, well, how how can I make a good free-to-play game and not make it pay to win? How do I do that? And I say, talk to Valve. <laughs> you know, the the one thing, though, I feel like he's confusing free-to-play with, like, a mobile game or, or like, a browser-based game. Like, one doesn't necessarily imply the other, but he talks about free-to-play games being instant on and, and how you can just, like, play them for five minutes during lunch. Like that sort well, of. I think that's. I think that's quick experience. His vision of it. Yeah, maybe. but that, but but I think to just say like that's. But it, it seems like he's classifying all free to play like that, and that's not right. the case. Well, I think that's what he likes. That those are the things that he likes about free to play, and that's what he's going to focus on. I mean, because we are at a stage where you can have a full blown game in a browser and have it look good. Yeah, but this. I mean, clearly, this isn't going to be like a console type release then. Yeah, but I, I don't, mm, I don't yeah. think he's gonna. He doesn't look like he's gonna focus on, uh, focus on consoles. I mean, there's a lot of options for developers now in terms of making the PC more viable where it wasn't necessarily before. Because before, if you were a PC dev, you know, for you know, you had to build a game that looked good, and that required people to buy to have hardware that supported you know those graphics. Now you necessarily don't have to do that because of streaming and services like Gaikai for developers. Like you can make an awesome looking game, stream it through Gaikai, and everybody can play it. You know, right? So I think that's that's kind of what he likes. You know, you know that that you know he he, he at this point, if this was a couple years ago, I don't think it would have been as accessible. But because of the services and the technology we have available. I think his vision is possible. He just has to be able to pull it off once again. Same thing with Crytek. If you can actually pull off this this all free to play model without me feeling like I'm getting robbed, then okay, I'm all about it. Isn't right. I mean free to play though, it's still relatively new in sort of the grand oh, scheme yeah. of things. So I mean yeah. it's by no means have we figured this out, figured out what the ideal model is. I think a lot of this is just sort of, you know, you know, trial and expect uh, experimentation. Oh, certainly, and it and then it changes even based on what kind of a what kind of a game you're making. You know, do you have like a League of Legends or a, some sort of MMO or you know a shooter, and then that changes how you can monetize a game too. So yeah, there needs to be like I think they'll get to the point where there's like here's this kind of base system that works well, and you can see just from that baseline like how much better or worse like the model for a specific game is because you have like a baseline to run by, but we're not right. there yet. Yeah, actually, I mean. I'm interested in seeing how Crytek develops a single-player free-to-play game, but I'm also scared at the same time. I, I don't think I want it. 
You really got burned by tribes. You seem so. Well, so I said, I said single player. Like, how do you well, no, monetize but... a single player free to play game? Like, oh, you wanna you wanna go to the to the next level? You know, I think you, you, know, can... or you wanna yeah, but... you wanna use this weapon. This here you go. Yeah, what's up? You know, that might be the case though. Is maybe you know the first level's free, and then you know if you beat that, and if you want to keep playing, you buy it per level, maybe. And in the sense, I mean, like that, it kind of becomes not free to play anymore, but it, maybe it's like more like a modular thing, kind of like the, the old idea that we talked about a long time ago, where like somebody was like, well, what if I didn't give a shit about multiplayer for our home front? You know, like, right. let me sell me the single player version for 30 bucks. And then, like, if I want to buy the multiplayer version later, I could do that. Like, what if it's kind of like, here's, you know, world, world one or whatever with five stages in it. And you can, you know, you can try that for free, kind of like an extended demo. And then if you want the next, you know, 10 bucks, you know, for the next, next five worlds or whatever. Right. I mean, but yeah, it's not strictly speaking free to play anymore. Then it's a, it's a different, I, you, I think you need to end up calling that something different altogether, but you know, whatever. Pretty much. Well, we'll see how that goes. I'm pretty sure they'll be rolling out information as soon as possible, especially Crytek because of G-Face. But moving on to our next topic, uh, talk a little bit more about E3 um, and why it fell flat. But one thing I did find interesting is that you know we saw so many articles come out of E3 about, oh, this is great, that's great, you know, this game here at E3 is great, but then like, after E3, so many of these same journalists are just like, oh, E3 is dying, and blah, blah, blah. I just thought that was, that was kind of funny, because now we're seeing the second half, like, on well, you know, the, the other side of that with all these different articles coming well, out. I think, I think part of it, though, is, you know, they actually had news to talk about the first week, and now that there's no news, now they get to look back and Bash reflect. it. <laughs> well... I, I, no, I, I think there, there's, there's plenty a, of bashing going on during. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, there's a legitimate sense of disappointment, and I think now they have the opportunity to sort of go into that. Well, this article specifically is on gamesindustry.biz, and it was talking about well, you know why it fell flat, and I, I think we can all agree that the press conferences, I mean, for the most part, failed to impress overall. I mean, there were some shining moments. Right, know, but you, even the ones that were good were still not particularly great. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just I guess to, to kind of get to the to the meat of the, the subject, uh, you know, the author says that the, the the problem isn't necessarily with the console makers. It's not the fact that, you know, the consoles are at the end of their life cycle. That's not necessarily the problem. He said the problem is with the publishers and the fact that most of the games we saw at E3, we already knew about. There were no surprises with the, with the what? Uh, fucking uh, uh, tomb, not Tomb Raider. Um, Splinter Cell. You know, I don't think anybody really talked about that before the Microsoft conference. And of course, Watch Dogs was like the biggest surprise. Right, like you legitimate. Know? Yeah, the Ubisoft was like the only one that had like a, actual surprises for anything. Yeah, but pretty much, and it's not like all this information leaked out either. Like there were E three trailers coming out before E three. And and before E three even starts, all these publishers because they don't want to get bumped out by all the the big three or well big big three plus you know Ubisoft and EA having their conferences that everybody does a does a conference before E three. You have like Konami releasing like all their Lords of Shadow, all that stuff, and like having their own little press conference before E three even starts. So all those trailers are out before E three. You know like. 
there's other stuff that does leak, you know, Assassin's Creed find out about that well beforehand. You know, that's not like, oh, my God, E3, like, holy shit, they got a new Assassin's Creed, like nothing. I, I think that I, I agree with pretty much everything the guy says, but like, I think that it's just kind of like the the same way that, you know, the news cycle for like, you know, the world went 24 hours once the Internet came around, like the same thing happened for gaming. You can't save an announcement for one time in the year and and just from that point on like you know hope it generates enough buzz like people feel the need to like put stuff out ahead of time they feel the need that you know stuff leaks because it's hard to keep stuff under wraps because internet and it's just generally like it it lacks the same sort of resin like relevance it did have i don't think that e3 is irrelevant i think it's not the same sort of relevance it had before where it was where you'd see everything that was coming out that year or in the in the years ahead that was going to matter yeah, but that's not well. You're you're right, you're exactly right. Like it's not the case anymore. I mean, like a major game like Assassin's Creed, um, Last of Us, like those would have been showstoppers. Yeah, those demos and, if they were saved for E3, kept a secret. Uh, fucking uh, Bioshock Infinite, right? It, that would have been a complete showstopper. Yeah, like, and that game still isn't. That game's still not coming out anytime until like next yeah. year. So, and, like that could have been. Yeah, could have been saved, but why they didn't? And my thing is, you know, and I, I want to say this before I kind of get into this, like, I do think Watch Dogs is interesting, and I think it's going to be a good game. But I don't think by any means should Watch Dogs be, like, the oh-my-God game of E3. Oh, no, it shouldn't have been. I it mean, should. like, not not in comparison, and especially since that is potentially, not necessarily is, but potentially a next-gen game, like, you're not going to see that game for at least a year to two years. So as awesome as that was it, it's not even going to matter really in the in the grand scheme of things at least like as far as oh man i'm really excited about this game that's coming out in the next year yeah well i mean even like the gameplay itself like, like i said it was interesting and i liked what i saw oh yeah but it's not a show it's not a show it's not, like, it's not, not a show incredibly game. different yeah. exactly like if 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 you would have had watchdogs that footage come up before or after somebody shows the demo for Bioshock Infinite for the first time, you know, it wouldn't have been like, they, they would have talked about Watch Dogs, but Bioshock yeah, Infinite would have talked about it, but Bioshock would have been, yeah, would have stolen the show. I think that maybe that's part of it too, is that like, you have like a game that's a showstopper like Bioshock Infinite or Assassin's Creed 3 or, or what have you, and why should I share the stage with a bunch of other games that are going to get people hyped during E3 when I can tell you about it in October or I could tell you about it in September. Yeah. Well, nobody's telling you about any other game and that's all you talk about. Like, Oh, like borderlands announcement. Like, Oh, what the fuck else was announced around that time? You know, like stuff like that. Like yeah. why share the stage when you don't have to anymore? Actually, it's funny because GTTV and spike get better, you know, announcements than E3 does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a little, um, yeah, Spike was Last of Us that was shown there. Um, Bioshock Infinite's first showing was GT was a uh, great yeah, game trailers. Yeah, and everybody's willing to like you know shell out money or you know sign the you know sign on the dotted line of the NDA or whatever to get that exclusive. So like, why why save it? Why do the work yourself and somebody else can do it for you? Exactly. So I mean, that's why I guess it's it's just becoming I guess underwhelming. Like you know, even like I. Like, I I could have went to E3 this year, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait till next year when they have big news with the consoles. But will they? 
Well, they should. <laughs> they yeah, think, I think, but I think consoles think... will still be a bigger, will still be the spectacle, like a spectacle more so than like what's been happening. I think that they, that that's going to be a necessity for Microsoft and Sony. Like they both understand the importance, whereas Nintendo seems to have not understand the importance. Well, I know, I know we, they said before E3 that it wouldn't be at 2012, but did they confirm it would be at 2013 or they kind of left I don't that think open? That they're confirming anything. I think that I, I, it's just pretty much that it's expected to be, but then I don't think they're going to be like, yeah, it's going to be at E3 next year. If it's then not, why do, why would you even talk about it? Because then why why should I give so much of a care about what you're bringing out? Like in, leading up to that, then well, but we know. But we'll know it will be there if they don't say it won't be there. What? <laughs> I understood <laughs> what you meant, but you said that the most complicated way possible. No, no well, like, like, like this year, they, this year, this year they said this year they unequivocally said these consoles will not be at E3. So then, in the run up to next year's E3. If they're not saying these consoles won't be there, then we're pretty sure they're going to be there. Oh, yeah. I would yeah, expect it's, them to. It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, if you yeah. don't tell us that it isn't going to be there, then, well, it must be, you know, and we know that you're not going to tell us that it will be there. Then if you just don't say anything, then your silence tells me everything I need to know. Exactly. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, but basically the, the author is placing the blame on the publishers more so than the big three. Um because, you know, they, they leaked everything before E3. I don't think this is, you know, some people are taking this as like an omen for the industry. I don't think this is a bad thing for the industry. I just kind of think it's more of a changing of the guard type deal, you know? Mm. I, even this year, I wasn't, in, I wasn't in a huge rush to watch all the trailers because I know, like, that day or possibly the day after E3, those trailers are going to be on YouTube. You know, it's been like that for years. So, you know, maybe this is why we're getting Connectathon 3. Because Microsoft knows the big secrets are already out. So we're going to parade around our stuff so we can fill up an hour and a half show. Let's talk about Smart Glass because we're going to talk about our stuff at our press conference. That's why I I do think when the new Xbox is unveiled or the new PlayStation is unveiled, that is going to be a great show. (laughs) They're not going to be like Nintendo and not show any games. And they'll have pictures of the consoles on those huge screens. Even if it does have a boomerang controller. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think E3 is necessarily going anywhere. Um, Well, actually, it is possibly maybe physically moving to a different location um, due to the fact that they're trying to build as a football stadium. Oh yeah, yeah. In that area, yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna kind of uh, cut you know the showing you know it will, uh, cut, I, I, cut with the show for us. I'd want to see I'd want to see E three in the middle of a football field. I think that might be fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe they can give it the proper proper uh, you know pomp and circumstance and yeah. ridiculousness like the NFL does. Yeah. Watch action Madden. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't. Uh, I do think E three uh, or ESA, I should say. They just they kind of need to monitor the situation and make sure that they don't become irrelevant. Because I mean, look at what's happening to Gamecoms right now. Like so many of the bigger publishers or the bigger companies like Microsoft um, are not going to be at Gamescom this year. Yeah, but how, how do you how do you stop yourself from becoming irrelevant if everybody's releasing their information at other times? You, you're gonna just say to everybody like you can't. You give do out more than one event a year. 
you do you could do more than one event a you, year, or you, you could perhaps actually talk to um somebody's publisher, like, hey, see what they want, yeah, yeah, hold this back for E three. Don't focus so much on yeah. these three public, these three, you know, like Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and then give EA and Ubisoft most of the floor. Like you're giving them pretty much all the time, really, for E three. So how is anybody else going to really show anything it, anyway? But see, but the ESA is made up of all these people, right? So I wonder, like, how much authority they actually have. It's all in a way, it almost feels a little bit like like the NFL commissioner being representative of all the owners. Like, you know, like he really doesn't have any say over them because one thing they can definitely do. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But one thing they can definitely do is make it easier for some of these uh, not not so large developers to make it into the show. Like the Hawken developers, they couldn't even afford. To be on the, not even on the on the main show floor, they couldn't even afford to be in the Indycade area. They had yeah. to rent out a hotel a couple of blocks down and show people their games there. I think one thing too, and I think, I mean, and it's impossible to, well, not impossible, but it, you can't undo it because it's already done. Was the decision to make E three like a a like a trade only event, and it was just you know publishers media like no no overarching anything it wasn't like a huge spectacle it wasn't a big party anymore and like after a couple of years of that it was just like uh it didn't really work out so we're gonna make it a3 again yay three and then it it seems like it's just been less relevant ever since but i like, think but i think it's all the fallout from that problem like we said i think last week it, it's all those other conferences that that opened up in that vacuum that when e3 came back it's almost like you know they, they somebody took their seat at the table right and you know, so now it's kind of like they've they've created their own they've created their own demise in a way. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't know how you fix it except that you maybe like get more flexible about stuff. You have like you know smaller events. You don't you don't try and charge so much otherwise. You know, like people can go why why go to E three when I can go to PAX Prime and get just as much coverage from from media and stuff like that. You, you know, these are the same people we bitch about charging for DLC out the wazoo, and now we're talking about the charge themselves right. for the wazoo. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we'll see. I think next year the show will be better simply because we should have some new consoles or something on the horizon. Or maybe right. at least learn from this show. <laughs> it's either going to be way better or way worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, 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 I, I do think that next year determines whether or not E3 is relevant anymore. I mean, like, there's, there's always going to be a certain amount of relevance, but everything good at E3 was on the show floor. It was stuff that you didn't even see on yeah. the press conferences anybody at home like couldn't really see the rest of that stuff i mean like yeah every everybody had like their their live streams and stuff like that but i mean like as far as like if you were like i'm just gonna watch the big stuff from e3 and you watch the press conferences you you, you got you didn't get to see most of the cool stuff like there was uh because made like a list of like 25 things that are on the show floor that like weren't even like featured that were awesome you know, we you had titles that like they didn't even talk about that, like you know, like the P one thousand or whatever that were different, were were something new that nobody's seen before, and didn't even talk about them. So I think they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, but yeah, I think the next year should be better, but it really is going to determine where they end up. How about we do this? How about if next year's show is bad, I'm just going to name the special edition. It's over. And it's just gonna be five yeah. minutes of silence, and that's and then somebody it. will play Taft at the end. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Nashcast theme in silence. Nashcast theme out. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So 
I'll, I swear to God, I'll do that next year if it's bad. <laughs> Mark my words. It's over. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to our last topic here, which is uh, regarding uh, Medal of Honor. Verbal fisticuffs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Verbal fisticuffs between the producer, uh, well, the executive producer of Medal of Honor and a journalist. Uh, so Tom Shea, which uh, does it mention what who he actually writes for here? It's an article on GameSpot. GameSpot. Yeah, he's um, an editor for GameSpot. He wrote an editorial about regenerating health, basically. Yeah, he's saying that regenerating health and respawning teammates trivializes the sacrifice of soldiers, or I guess the sacrifice that the specifically Medal of Honor, um, you know, I guess professes to honor is what exactly what it says here. That it makes, I guess, make makes light of the situation of war, and he also, you know, brings he brings the fact that you know some think some find it discomforting that we sell or that they sell intense combat experience as an entertainment product, which um, is an argument we've seen before. But yeah, you know, it's not yeah. a new argument. It's an argument we've seen before. Um, he also, you know. Goodrich, who is um actually it's his name is uh, Greg Goodrich is the executive producer, and he brings up the fact that GG, yeah, well GG. played. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, he brings the fact that Medal of Honor never claims to be realistic; it's just authentic in terms of the tools, weapons, you know, sounds, stuff like that. And that he's like, you know, he says combat's combat, games are games, and we're an entertainment product. Which I thought that'd be kind of obvious, but you know, whatever. Uh, he says that there is, you know, a hardcore mode which will not have, and this is for multiplayer. I'm sorry, and that's something else I should specify. What Tom McShay was talking about was like, you know, respawning health and respawning or respawning teammates and regenerating health in multiplayer. I mean, you do regenerate health in single player as well, uh, but you know, I, uh, you don't really respawn in a single player game when you die. Um, Unless you're playing like Gears, they can bring it back. Gears or you know some of these other, you know, co-op partner type games. Um, but you know, he, he, Goodrich says that there is a hardcore mode that strips out you know the regenerating health that bothers McShay, and then McShay says, "Well, why isn't hardcore mode the default mode?" And I, for me, I'm kind of like, "Yo, dude, like." First of all, I mean, like, they really don't have a social responsibility to make a game that is, that's supposed to be so realistic it scares you out of war. You know what I'm saying? Or really, truly presents you with the gravity of the situation. You know what I'm saying? And there are games that are definitely more realistic. Uh, like, you know, you have, like, you know, um, Flashlight, Armor, yeah, stuff like that. So if you Red look at... Red Orchestra. Yeah, Red Orchestra, um, even like America's Army. So if you're looking for like a more realistic game where when you die, you die and you're out for the round. I mean, shit, you can go play Counter Strike if you want to. If that's the case, right? <laughs> you know, because um, there's there, there's no regenerating health there and there's no respawns until right. the next round. Um, but you know, saying like, oh, why isn't hardcore mode default default mode? Because maybe accessibility. Exactly, that's the, that's the actual reason. <laughs> yeah, like, anything else. You know who? Like you know, you have a new player come in, and hardcore mode is the default mode. Like that will turn off so many people. Call of Duty already has enough of an issue with like new player, like you know, new players coming in and getting destroyed versus people who you know 
constantly play it, play it all the time, every you know, every minute, every hour. And how much worse would that be if it was hardcore? How would would Call of Duty even been popular if it if it you know kept like a Counter Strike stance where it's like no no you're out for the round, no regenerating health, you're just dead. Like yeah. people wouldn't play it like they want to play it because it has those elements in it you know like a lot of the the general public there are people who would play it otherwise you know i'd, I'd play battlefield 3 exclusively on hardcore mode but there, there are people out there who that a lot of people that don't you know like it's you're gonna hit more people if you make your your combat more accessible they feel like they're doing something awesome and they don't get punished too much for it there's always like a reward you know thing going on with gameplay and the thing is, like, really, who's going to... How are you not going to insult your players by saying, okay, well, hardcore mode is the default. Here's the pussy mode for the rest of you guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like, true, Tim. You know, like, how do you how do you present that option? Normal? Bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know? How do, how do you present that, you know? How do you present that option? It's really, it'd be very difficult. Um, I, I mean, the game itself, I'm pretty sure, well, you know... FPS multiplayer is FPS multiplayer. You know, you pro- you can take more shots than in real life. You know, even right. in a hardcore mode, with a, you yeah. can stand there with an LMG and stand there with an LMG and fire with more or less perfect accuracy. Exactly. Whereas in real life, you need to be laying on the ground prone, and you're still gonna fucking you're still gonna have kickback and Same stuff. Same thing with 50 cal sniper rifles. Right. People using that and doing like you know uh, quick scoping in Call of Duty, or even in a battlefield type of game because right. i mean even with like a bad company with the oh, yeah, larger no, with the largest yeah with the larger weapons you can still do it yeah so i mean my thing is like <laughs> you know i i understand game journalists wanting to be journalists but sometimes they dig too deep and for me see, I, for me this was digging too deep in this specific case yeah, in this specific case, I think the problem is that, like, I agree with the fact that it is troubling the, like, I, there was a very excellent piece written on Kotaku, actually, by, uh, actually by, like, a professor who, uh, who also does game design, not even a journalist, um, and talked about, like, the, the problematic, uh, glorification of black op, black ops operations, like, yeah. and the way that Call of Duty Black Ops 2 glorifies them, because they have to, in order to market their game, and there's really, like, nothing, glor- you know, glorious about them. Um, and I agree that there is, there is something with the, the issue of like, you know, there's so few popular examples to point to, to be like, here's a, here's a demonstration of like, here's modern war and here's, it's real, it's gritty. It's not, it's not wonderful. It's not great. Like there's real issues. There's real sacrifice. Like people don't come home to their families. You're going to have PTSD by the time you're done with this game, you know, but I think there's a reason that there's no popular examples of that because they nobody don't wants to, to play it. Pop, right? They don't tend to be popular. I think the the real problem is if a game does sit there and say like, "No, dude, this is real. This is this is the real shit right here," and you know, you step into the game and it's got regenerating health and quick no scope kills, and you know, you're leaping off of a, a building and stabbing somebody in the throat, and you know. You're you're throwing down, you know, you you're cloaking or you're throwing down like, you know, you're calling in an airstrike or you know a, a helicopter, just because you got three kills or you know like any anything that's gamey about it. Like, I think that there there should be a place for both, and I think that it's just so much easier to go for the other side, which is what we've seen. You know, everybody's chasing Call of Duty. Everybody wants to have that that next pot. 
you know, to, to, to get that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because it's accessible and you can hit so many people with that type of gameplay. But the it, thing about this, oh, go ahead, Nick. I'll, I'll, I'll continue. Uh, after. Well, no, I was going to say is the, is the problem fundamentally though, that call of duty being so popular is sort of what's driving this whole sort of, you know, military shooter industry. Oh, yeah. That if, if, if it was, you know, if it was Dragon Age that was popular, then would, would everybody be busy, you know, trying to make, you know, like, like, you know, more, more RPGs, you know? Totally. That, but then would you, absolutely. But then would you not have, you know, military shooters that had regenerating health and stuff like that? Like, no, but I don't, I don't, I don't think, it, I don't think it would be as big an issue. No, it wouldn't be as big an issue. No, not at all. If people would be talking about the issues of, you know, why, you know, why we're moving. Why isn't Dragon Hunting realistic? Yeah. We're going to turn away from turn-based rpgs or something yeah. these kids think it's okay to walk around with axes you know like stuff like that <laughs> yeah like out of my well i can't understand how you could pause the action to like switch to another person that's bullshit you know, like, <laughs> this would be, yes it would be the issues because it'd be the popular thing it would be but the thing about the games like this though like medal of honor call of duty you know these uh, these military shooters they are built for adults yes children do play them but that is not what the developer is building them for they're building them for a mature audience anybody who plays these games would be a it, it deserves whatever they get if they joined the military because they played these games. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, we all know this is not realistic, you know? And it is, it, like, we, do, we are playing it for entertainment. Now, just because I say we're playing it for entertainment doesn't mean we're all masochistic killers that enjoy just bloodying people up. We're not. You know, no, we're not. <laughs> we don't all like Only to beat in a women either. Sense. <laughs> I turn off my bloodlust when Battlefield goes off. Okay, I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't feel the need to, you know, pop anybody in the face. Yeah, like when, <laughs> when I'm that's playing, over. <laughs> when I play uh, a first-person shooter, I don't necessarily get enjoyment from the fact that I'm killing another person. It's a skill thing. It's a skill thing. Like I enjoy the fact that I. My reactions are faster than this person. My accuracy. Though, go ahead. Even though understanding that, both you know, both of us understanding that, I have known people that do get that rise out of the fact that they're killing people. Well, then like, they're they're fucked up. And why are you friends with them? I'm not friends. I just know people that are <laughs> like, yeah, someone. fucking kill them on the fuck. I mean, like, look, go fucking listen to an Xbox Live conversation with somebody's playing Call of Duty. Seriously, like that. that that's how it sounds. Like you know, there are people that are fucking. No, all there about are true. That. There are people that are all about that. There are people who do get off on that and, and really, really like that. That's but they enjoy, yeah. But the thing is, they they know like even if they try to act all tough and stuff like that. Oh, they know. They know. They know. They know better than to go out and start some shit in real life. Like, oh, I'm, I'm fucking six prestige in Call of Duty. You better watch out, boy. Like, you know, <laughs> that, that those conversations don't happen in real life. Uh, yo, I'm a third degree black belt in fucking Street Fighter. You better watch out. I'm duking your ass. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like they they know, and that's the thing. Like, this is it. It is an entertainment product, even though yes, it is violent. But I mean, I mean, if if well, we we've all talked about how video game violence doesn't necessarily affect you if you're a normal person. I mean, the people who do violent things based off of video game violence were probably violent to begin with. But yeah, if, if something like this did really desensitize me to violence or made me a more violent person, I'd be a mass murderer right now because I grew up playing violent games and listening to rap music. You know? <laughs> so it was like... It, it, I, yeah, I, like, you know, I listen to metal, I listen to rap, you yeah. know, like, it didn't... I'm not. They, 
I'm a very and nice person. Right. I'm a for, mild mannered person. For a six three you know, black male, I'm a very crazy. nice person. Everybody just tells you <laughs> you're a nice person because they're scared of you. <laughs> why? Why would you say that, Nick? No reason. You're a perfectly nice person. <laughs> <laughs> See what you yeah. did there. Yeah. Um, no, but that's the I thing. Think, I mean, okay. I, was, I was just gonna say, I I do think you know there there are social issues that may come up in gaming and stuff like that. And, you know, when somebody actually does talk about it, like, you know, when somebody actually has a valid point about a game degrading women or doing this to specific, you know, like make uh, degrading a specific race, you know, something of that nature. But sometimes I do feel like that game journalists, they try to dig for some of this stuff. And sometimes they just they dig for no reason. Like, I think this was a he was digging at this game, you know, trying to say, oh, you know, it trivializes, it trivializes real war. When there was really nothing there. I mean, if did he even play the first Medal of Honor? Well, not the first Medal of Honor, but Medal of Honor 2010. Like, even though it had regenerating health, there was there's I haven't I haven't talked to a single person that's played that part where you're the uh, you know you're playing the infantry and that part where you get to the hut that they were like, wow, this is intense. I haven't talked to a single person that 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 thought light of that situation. But you know? should it be a requirement that you have to play Medal of Honor 2010 to look at Medal of Honor Warfighter and, you know, and automatically understand that? Like, you should be able to look at Warfighter and understand the same thing. But the problem is also that that whole E3, the action is easier to sell than horror or, you know, uh, a sense of like, you know, feelings or sac- self-sacrifice or this anything like that. Um, I think that... <sighs> I don't think that like they're necessarily digging too deep. I can understand walking into a, a conference or, or walking into a you know a briefing or something and having somebody say you know this this is this is realistic warfare you know look at these weapons look at this stuff and being kind of like jaded at this point. I can understand that. So I don't necessarily think he's digging too deep in that respect. But I think that there you have to kind of measure what your expectations are. You know, based on what you are seeing and what you've seen, also, like if you're a journalist, like you've seen a lot of, you know what the what the trends have been, you know what the state of the land looks like. You have to provide like a little bit of distance. You have to provide a little bit of room for things to just be what they are. Yeah, you know, fun- fundamentally though, is this something bad to be calling the industry out on? And it's unfortunate that you know he chose Warfighter to sort of be the game he was going to make his stand against. But I mean. Aren't these are valid questions? I think to ask no. of the industry, you know, why aren't you sort of respecting, you know, the, the 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 combat that you're representing? Why aren't you sort of doing a better job with that? Because you are just taking this strictly for entertainment, and there is a complete grisly side behind all this that you're 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 masking over in the in the sheer name of capitalism. Well, right. oh, I mean, yeah. well, movies do the same thing more right. so than games That's, ever have. I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to like put a straw man in the argument or anything. Not necessarily it's a straw man, but yeah, I mean, movies, a lot of movies do the same thing. Did anybody see the trailer for Act of Valor? No, Tell me but, that shit didn't look like a Call of Duty commercial. But it's made with real soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> real soldiers that also probably play Call of Duty. Which, yeah. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a drink commercial now with real women. Yeah. <laughs> but it was real soldiers right? like, yeah. but I, I think the thing that you know this this I mean well first games have definitely evolved past just being a fun thing to do just and they can they can deliver a social message but I don't think this that's not the goal of what Medal of Honor is trying to do for Christ's sake they're trying to compete with Call of Duty here <laughs> you know what I'm saying so they're not trying to deliver 
Right. They've never so, been shy about that. You can still deliver like a poignant message. Medal of Honor was definitely still trying to compete with other, you know, military games. And yet, you know, you get to the end of single player or even just during the single player. And it's like, there's, there's a message here. I mean, like, it's not hyper realistic. It's not the most realistic game ever made. But, you know, you don't die, you know, partway through the first mission and then that's it. You know, you yeah. then you watch, you know, them take his body home and then his family get him, you know, watch buried and his wife gets his, his flag or anything like not that nobody wants to see that. I mean, I think that, that like I said, there's a place for that. Right. But that's that isn't the goal. That, you know, that's you not the place message here. without the rest of it. You know, um, I think that. Maybe the problem with what the the standard he's holding him to is the fact that he's saying like, well, you kind of have a you have a responsibility to show you know the the full depth of like you know kind of like war is basically is kind of I guess like what the gist of what he's saying the, to show that they're sacrificed and stuff. Um, and he doesn't have that responsibility. He he doesn't. But uh, but on top of that, if you're going to give him that responsibility, then everybody that makes a military shooter needs that responsibility, which means that every game is going to be that way, which means there is no variety like and you. You kind of tip the scales completely in the opposite direction. And not only is that probably going to affect their sales and stuff like that, which, you know, who cares, depending on what the situation is, that's their choice. But you you also you there's no variety anymore. What like kind of like what we were saying before, that if it was if it was Dragon Age that became like the thing that everybody wanted to emulate and it was all RPGs in the landscape, like talk about before Call of Duty Modern Warfare became super popular, how often did we see this issue? We saw issues with violence in games in general, but how often did we see like, oh, they're not taking soldier sacrifices seriously? It's like, it's like because it was World War II games at the time, it, nobody cared, even though... I think anybody would agree it's just as much of any a sacrifice and, you know, even on a bigger scale in some cases than anything that's been going on recently, you know, like, and yet that was okay. It, it didn't matter to, in a sense, what, that those games had regenerating health, that they had people getting mowed down, that they had multiplayer where all the same things were happening and there wasn't as much outcry because it wasn't as popular. It wasn't as... Recent? Common. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the the one thing that people need to keep in mind is that, unless otherwise stated, the goal of these games is to be entertaining first. And when, when, no matter what, in what way that is, like it may be entertaining fun, it may be entertaining because it has an engaging story, it may be entertaining because, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a, lot of a certain skill set to beat the game. But at the end of the day, it is supposed to, it's supposed to be entertaining first and then maybe deliver some type of a message along with it so isn't this fundamentally then the uh should games be fun argument just sort of repackaged sort of i was just thinking that actually that like you know enjoyable doesn't necessarily mean you know part wrenching or anything you know it's the same thing it can you know that can be enjoyable in a certain way but I, I guess I, I just I guess I wonder. It's like when I think of like movies that made combat very realistic. I think of like Saving Private Ryan, and I try right. to imagine like a Saving Private Ryan video game, and I just I I, I don't I don't think it works. I just don't think. I think that, it could that, work, that, but the problem is you you have something that's so heavily scripted. You have to have a situation where you know the person doesn't like. I mean, like seriously, like you have to have a situation where the person you have doesn't can't die or like can get saved or or, or something. And like, how do you really like implement that into a game without it being trivializing it in some way? You, I think that's always going to kind of happen because 
unless you have that moment where that person dies and like that's it you watch them get carted off to the states you watch them get buried you know you watch their wife and kids cry at a funeral like if because that's how you would make that realistic at that point then do you take another soldier doesn't that still trivialize it then or or does that just put the true face on what you know war or something which could be a really fucking scary concept if you're like oh well now you just go 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 be another soldier who just signed up to go to war and you go over there and you might die yeah, maybe perfect, that's the per, maybe that's per, the fuck. I mean, shooters. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, fucking, maybe that. And I mean, like, how deep is that? In a sense, like, I think that's almost too scary to kind of like go after because, like, government would be like, whoa, 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 what are you trying to say about war? <laughs> you know, like, I, I, there's a place for it, but I mean, obviously, like Call of Duty, Medal of Honor. That's that's not where it is. I mean, like if they're building themselves as realistic shooters, yes, that's a problem. You need to have them, you know, they need to be held accountable for that. But yeah. beyond that, sometimes a game is just a game and it's the if you I think that that's where like more journalists need to like kind of, I guess, more understand like greater sense of like game design and things like that, that like there's just certain things that just don't work for every game. You right. can't you can't do in every game because there is like you have to provide reward. You can't just crush a player over and over and over again to get the point across because that's not always enjoyable, especially exactly. depending on the type of game. You know, you're not talking a puzzle game or like Tetris where you're de- where you start the game knowing that you're going to lose and and that's crushing in its own way. And you're talking about a game where you're supposed to be able to you know fight your way through to beat this bad guy to stop this nuke from going off to do whatever it is. And if you can't ever do that because it's so realistic. Well, yeah. Then what's even, the point? But e- even if the, the journalist is wrong, even if the journalist knows they're wrong, asking the question doesn't just asking the question, at least fostering the debate, bring attention to, you know, the, the, the topic. Oh, the hand. issues. So, I mean, yeah, the issues does, at least but enlighten really, the community overall. I mean, it does, but I mean, I don't really, really think there's a huge issue here because I don't think the game trivializes war. I don't think the game trivializes war. I think it does, but I think that it only trivializes war as much as someone lets it, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, the game is built for a mature audience. Anybody who plays these games should be should be well within the realms of reality, you know. But even even being well within the realms of reality, I could understand how you could say that, like, somebody might come away playing years of Call of Duty with a trivialized sense of war. It's kind of like how people become desensitized to violence through anything, you know, like that you, if you were to see someone get shot in front of you, it would be a totally different story. But, you know, most people go their whole lives without something like that happening. So in a sense, like the way that you see a war played in your head is the same way you see wars played out on TV, you know, or on movies or, or how the news reports wars, you know, like it's not, grim gritty like in the trenches you watching people die or anything like i think you kind of have to like turn a broader focus if that's if that's going to be the if that's going to be like your your mission your goal is to like you know not trivialize war than like turn the gaze to everything that does that because it it started well before video games right i actually i did have an example of what would happen if you'd made something like uber realistic you know in terms well, of the, the the example you can use right now would be simulation racers. Like there are way more people who will play a Need for Speed game than let's say uh, a Gran Turismo. Right, and I mean or you can even point at the Red Orchestras and Armas and stuff like how many people play those games versus playing Medal of Honor or Call of Duty. 
Exactly. Because I even, mean, even even the even Medal of Honor twenty ten, which didn't do very well, probably sold ten times as much as Red Orchestra sold. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I and I play Red Orchestra. I, actually, I don't play Arma, but I play Red Orchestra because I enjoy you know FPS games. But you know, I play Need for Speed and I play Blur, but I don't touch simulation racers. Right. You know, because I don't I don't want that uber realism in a racing game because I don't want to crash my car up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be crashed up my car. You know, so and that doesn't trivialize driving for me on the road. You know? Yeah. But hey, you know, uh, oh, go I've ahead. Heard, I've heard the stories about how you drive. I think it does. I drive. I drive fast, <laughs> but I drive safe. Okay. <laughs> I haven't gotten to a car accident since I was like 19. Okay. And those are the learning years. So I, I earned a pass. Okay. But I can't get from New Jersey to Boston in four hours. But safely. <laughs> but safely. <laughs> but, but safely, yes. Yes. So. But um, and even playing and even playing a Gran Turismo game or something like you know, are you gonna walk away from that with like doesn't that trivialize racing in a sense too? Because you you're not still not gonna be able to play Gran Turismo and walk away and go drive a you know an F one or something. That's true, very true. But nah. like every game trivializes something if you want to look at it that way. That is very true, you yeah. know. But that's the thing is that's they they're making it entertaining. They're making it yeah. entertaining, but hey. right, entertainment does that. That's yeah. what entertainment is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for making it fun. I hate that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was. I mean, there there was kind of, I guess, maybe a side effect. Although I'm I'm pretty sure they had the Medal of Honor Foundation before, but I, I apparently they opened up. Uh, the EA has a an actual new like another charity now as a tie-in for Warfighter. Wow. The the uh, actually I had that up here, um, and I lost it. But the, the, so, that was the um. Was it Project Honor or something yep. like that? Yep. Where it's a charity that goes. Actually, if you have it open, go for it. Because I actually I don't have that open anymore. Uh, basically, it's a marketing tie-in for Warfighter. Um, but basically, like weapon and gear manufacturers will donate to the Navy SEAL Foundation and Special Operations Warrior Foundation, and then their products their products will be featured in Warfighter. And then they'll, but they'll also be selling Medal of Honor merchandise, and all the proceeds will go to one of those, the one of the listed charities. So, um, there's also a military edition of the game that's made ex- that's made exclusively for active reserve and former U.S. military. Uh, the military edition is. Uh, I went and looked at the page for it. It's on the GovX site. Uh, if you happen to listen and you are military, you can go get the the military edition of the game, and it's the same price as it normally would be, which is sixty bucks. Um, but they have like exclusive unlocks and stuff too. So, okay. Well, I guess that's nice. Pretty sure that they had. I, I'd have. I. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they had. They've worked with like the Medal of Honor Foundation before, and I'm not sure if that. I'm guessing it's a separate organization, but I'm pretty sure they've had charity things with them before. But maybe in light of the other conversations, they kind of you know have something extra going on, kind of like how Call of Duty has their uh, charity as well. So. Right. All right. Well, I think we've talked about that enough. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Tom Shea or whatever. Yeah, we've done our part. Okay. <laughs> we've spread the good word. I guess kind of. Uh, but I guess what's coming out next week. Uh, so on the schedule, uh, I guess Quantum Conundrum, which is from, I'm not going to say the creators of Portal, but some of the key creators of Portal uh, have Quantum Conundrum. Uh, Lego Batman 2, 
uh, Civ Five expansion, Steel Battalion, the Connect one where you have to imagine that you're in a <laughs> in the mech and look silly, uh, you know, pressing buttons and levers. <laughs> Pokemon Conquest for the DS. Didn't this, even this, know what that. Well, what's up, Nick? Does anyone else think that the cover of Pokemon DS looks like Varian Rin? You mean Pokemon uh, Conquest? Yeah. Because it's got the guy with the ponytail and the two, I don't even know what the heck those blue and red things are, but they look like his shoulder, uh, the shoulder pads. No, they're Pokemon. Uh, but they, they look like, I don't know, in the tiny little thing, they look like poke, uh, they look like, uh, like shoulder pads. I keep thinking it's a WoW thing. Wow, no. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, maybe, but no. <laughs> it's actually, it looks like it's a, I've never heard of it before, but it looks like it's a crossover game. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a like the uh, Samurai Warriors, I think, and oh. come on, yeah, yeah, that's why it looks mm. so different. Uh, let's see what else we got I mean, here. Japanese people love their Nobunaga, man; they really do. Yeah. Uh, let's see, the Dark Eye. No, uh, no, it sounds like a sexual thing. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you it does. <laughs> I guess it's like this is just the Dark Eye chains of. What is that? I can't even... I, I think that that word's cut off. It's like satin something. Never heard of it. Uh, Resonance. Uh, which, actually, we're going to have a review for that up. Um, probably on Monday. I think it's when the embargo's up. Uh, the Brave video game. And I think that about covers it. We're getting really close to that dead period. Almost there. We only have a couple of big releases until that actually that period hits. I mean, Guild Wars 2, I think, is is out before June is over. Uh, Ghost Recon for PC got pushed back. Uh, I think there may be another episode of Walking Dead. The Amazing Spider-Man's coming out soon. Spec Ops. And then I think we're in the Dead Pier Zone after that. The wide open world of summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because that's what summer is. Exactly. I don't. I just, people just need to take advantage of this time, but they don't. So. Because they think everybody's on vacation and stuff, and nobody will ever buy another game again, you know, whatever the case is. Yeah, well, this is a time where indies should really be pushing forward. Well, you know, we all, we do have the Summer of Arcade, um, which they used to be kind of special, but now it's like they, they roll it over in so many weeks because it's like they'll have something the week before, then Summer of Arcade, then, like, because Summer of Arcade, you know, goes over a couple weeks, and then, like, you know... The, the couple weeks after that, they'll have something else in September, you know, so it's like it's not even all that special anymore, but Summer of Arcade should be good this year. Well, the only thing I know of the, that's definitely come out is Mark of Ninja, and I'm pretty sure it's Summer of Arcade. If it's not Summer of Arcade, I would be very surprised. They're making a big mistake. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, that's, that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, you can catch us up, catch us on uh, SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. On iTunes, which is working perfectly fine now. Uh, Stitcher, yeah, Stitcher Smart Radio uh, for your iOS and Android devices. Uh, catch us on YouTube, on the YouTubes, which is youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Um, we did recently post a MashCast Plus, and you know, we'll have MashCast highlights there. So, you know, if you're trying to share some stuff with your friends from the MashCast, we'll actually have some highlights up so you can, you know, give them a little taste of what they're missing, you know. Do some advertising work for us. You know, we entertain you. Help us out. I mean, we'll try to put up the actual funny parts. Yeah, so we'll they're try. Not to like, do. what is this crap? Yeah, yeah, we'll try to do the best part. That's what they call highlights. You know, 
Um, but we're also on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MTB site and facebook.com slash smash those buttons. Um, do have a couple of things coming up soon, which, you know, I don't want to talk about it too much right now in case, you know, they kind of fall through. So I would at least subscribe to, you know, either Twitter or Facebook. We, of course, would prefer both, but, you know, stay tuned. You know, of course, you can look on the site, too, but, you know, we know you guys want to be kept up to date 100% all the time. So just, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, and yeah, as soon as those, informa- as soon as those uh, updates come down, we'll be sure to update those two channels for sure. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap us up here. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next week. Later. Have a good weekend.